Blog Talk Radio. Well, it's a long way to Richmond, rolling north on 95. With a redhead riding shotgun and a pistol by my side. Tearing down that highway like a modern day Bonnie and Clyde. Disappointing ending for this modern day 
Just when you thought the biggest, baddest track in NASCAR couldn't get any better, we broke ground on transformation. The Talladega Super Speedway infield project to enhance the fan experience. Check it out in 2019 if you're big and bad enough. We're a tight-knit family, and it's time for a reunion. Talladega's turning 50, and it's bigger and badder than ever before. Terry with a beer helmet? <laughs> He'll be there. The Elliots, you know they're coming. How about you? Good evening from Duggan Nation. Uh, I'm Tim Despaigne, alongside of SpeedwayDigest.com's Mr. Stephen Wilson. The way the crow flies, I'm approximately eight miles south of this 2.66-mile monster we call Talladega Super Speedway. And Stephen Wilson, he's right outside of Richmond Raceway, which we got a we got a big race coming up there this weekend. And led by another number to call in is 215-383-3681. We got track presence there at Richmond. This big is going to join us at 20 after the hour. Stephen, how you doing tonight, brother? Man. <laughs> You don't know. You don't want to know what kind of day I've had for the last four or five days. Ugh. I've seen some of your texts. Some of your texts you sent me include that situation you're probably not going to discuss. <laughs> yeah, that happens to be one of them, but there's several more to go along with that. Not of the same type, but other people that just don't want to get in line and follow follow the rules and. Uh, it, it's just been it's just been a nightmare for the last couple of days. Well, you know, Stephen, you and I we've discussed that uh, how long we've been together now, probably six or seven years, possibly. Uh, we've discussed that. It's just some. Uh, I'm trying not to step on any toes, and I'm definitely not going to call any names. But it's just, I guess, it's just part of the sport that you and I cover, Stephen. That's just, I guess, it's just part of it. And uh, I've, like I've always said, I'm gonna. I'm gonna I'm gonna do what's right and let the good Lord sort the rest of it out, brother. Yeah, that's about all you can do sometimes. <laughs> you got that, brother. Stephen, I want to thank you again for joining us tonight. Like I said, I want to thank you for getting uh, Richmond Raceway President Mr. Dennis Beckmeyer, like I said, is going to join us here at uh, about twenty after the hour. Uh, Stephen, we're coming off a coming off another Bristol a Bristol weekend, and uh, Cal Bush. I've got the media center audio, but uh, listeners, we're going to sort of do this a little bit backwards. We're going to cover the race after Dennis because we, we don't want to get too far in depth into some of this audio stuff that I have that uh, NASCAR has provided Stephen and I. Stephen, uh, uh, NASCAR come out with the infraction sheet. Uh, it seems like sections 10.9.10.4 in the sanction and bodies rule book has become a popular. Uh, popular note every week, man. I haven't even seen the sheet that had come out today. Uh, I've been tied up with some other things, so I'm going to let you take that one this time. I, I could tell you've been tied up because I was posting some stuff and I seen that you was you were sort of uh, sort of busy. But anyway, uh, the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series was at Bristol Motor Speed with its past weekend, and uh, they sent down penalties to the number 19 car and the number 11 car. Uh, post-race inspection, they failed sections 10.9.10.4. Tires, wheels, lug nuts not properly installed. Crew Chief Cole Pern has been fined $10,000. Uh, number 19 team and Crew Chief Chris Gapehart has been fined $10,000 for Denny Hamlin too, Stephen. And like I said, it's becoming a – I don't know if it's just – like I heard uh, – I think it was Larry Mack mentioned during the race 
Sunday that, you know, when we took this crew member out from across the wall, we done away with the catch can, man. We was getting some not really high number of pit stops, but now the pit stop times are back down to where they were before they had this extra this extra help. And uh, I'm going to attribute that to a lot of the, the teams, the conditioning coaches and all that stuff. But, yeah, we're we're right back to a 12-point so-and-so pit stop like we was before all this safety stuff. Well, I'm not going to call it safety stuff, but all these rules were implemented with the crewmen over the wall and all that. It just seems like uh, the crews and the teams, they're really on top of the game. They try to figure out how to, when to, and where to to get that extra time off a of pit rope. Yeah, I mean, it just goes a tribute to the fact of how the sport has changed over the years. I mean, you go back years ago and they just pull somebody out of the infield and say, hey, carry a tire, put a, put, a, put some gas in the car, or whatever the case it was. A lot of them were just a bunch of good old boys, shade tree mechanics, and, uh, you know, they they ride down and, you know, sometimes, most of the time, not even get paid for this and just did it uh, pit a crew uh, as a crew. And, um, you know, we've change the sport to the athleticism has really it's just not in the driver's seat anymore but it's all the crews that are going across the wall I mean, you look at uh, what some of these teams are doing with strength coaches and they're going out there and they're drafting uh, pro football players and uh, pro athletes from other disciplines and other sports to to try out and come out and uh you know, this, it's just something that has evolved into this sport that the precision factor is so it's so high now that um, and the limitations sometimes of the crew, and you know, it's it's kind of it's now become a necessity in the fact that they have to get these um, pro athletes or even college athletes that decide not to go pro or even pro athletes that have been in some league somewhere and decide to come over and, and, and uh, try out. And, you know, it's just the discipline factor of it all. And as the changes in the rules uh, continue to affect the sport, it continues to affect the pit crews and the way they go over the wall. But, um, you know, timing is, you know, this is something that started with the Wood Brothers many years ago that designed, that, that, um, designed and invented the modern pit stop and, um, you know, it's just evolved since that fact of, you know, you know, nearly 50, 60 years of this. Um, we just have some of the top-line athletes that come into this sport and uh, pit these cars now. And, Stephen, while we're on the topic of the uh, of the Sanction Bodies Rule Book, I was listening to a little bit of Sirius XM Radio this afternoon when I got back from some issues I had with one of my tower sites. And uh, Chocolate Myers and them, they were – they were talking about there were a, a lot of people on social media. I'm pretty sure you saw it. I saw it. That were talking about, look, there's too many rules. Uh, you got a rule for this, a rule for that, a rule for that. Well, my good friend Chocolate Myers, I want to quote what he said. He said back in the day, that's his famous, his famous quote there. And we've had Chocolate on the show, really, really good guy, really knowledgeable guy of the of the sport. He mentioned. There's a rule that says that fire extinguisher has to be inside that car. If there's not a rule that says that, somebody can say, hey, 
we can take this out that weighs two and a half pounds or move it over to so-and-so side of the car or just take it completely out, and we can gain something with removing a fire extinguisher. That's just how some of the some of our listeners, I'm not trying to dog some of our listeners, but some of our listeners and some of our people that follow the sport, they don't understand there's a rule for every situation because if there's not, just like Chocolate said, he said, hell, if I was driving, I'd take the fire extinguisher out too if there wasn't a rule for me to keep it in there. Yeah, I mean, there's two sides to that, to that argument all the time. And, you know, sometimes these, they just rules continue to make more rules, but as teams find ways around in the gray areas that, you know, this has been an evolution for 70-plus years in this sport. Um, whatever rule comes out, there's some guy sitting there reading the rule that's going to interpret it how they want to read it, and they're going to find the gray areas of that interpretation. And, yeah, I kind of get the fact that we continue to talk about new rules. Um, But, you know, NASCAR has kind of laid off on just making mass changes in the middle of the the season or even week to week or even a couple of weeks apart. Um, You know, we we went through a period of time that, you know, that that was kind of commonplace that if something happened, they would – uh, you know, there'd be a change, and it'd be a change that quickly. But NASCAR has kind of laid off on these mass rule changes and says we're we're only going to implement you know changes during the off season, and then you know if we find needs in the middle of the year, you know we'll address them as they come. But we're not trying to change the rules every single week. So you know they've kind of they bounced back and forth between the way that the rules are implemented within the sport, and I think that at this point we're kind of getting to a an even-handed factor in that, you know, you make all the massive changes in the off-season so that people are aware of what's going on all season long, and then you deal with the problems during the season. Um, sure, do I think there's sometimes some too many rules in the sport? Yeah, I, th- I think so, and I think a lot of other people agree to that fact too. But the so- the other side of that coin is, is that you, you're exactly right. If there's not that rule in the rule book, somebody's going to, Somebody's going to skirt around it. They're going to take something out of the car. They're going to modify something. They're going to do something for performance enhancement. Um, and, and I think that's just been something we've seen in the sport for quite some time. And really now, um, even more so, that we've got these engineers, these these highly technical engineers that you know really can go down to the minute details of these cars. And to touch on that too, Stephen, you and I fixed a little bit about this past weekend. Kevin Harvick failed, failed pre-race inspection three times, which that put him at the tail end of the line. I think they, correct me if I'm wrong, didn't they eject the car chief of the number four there for Stuart Haas racing? I can't remember, but that was, that was one deal that, while, like I said, while we're on this rules package stuff, they going through what uh, – Ron Devine used to call it the disco room. It's called the room of doom and all that. But Kevin Harvick did fail pre-race inspection three times, and I think they did send his car chief home, ejecting him from the track. Am I correct, Stephen? Yeah. I mean, that's become more commonplace now that, you know, they're they're going to start sending people home. Um you know, that really goes back to the fact of just a couple of years ago, teams started really asking for this. Um, this wasn't something that NASCAR just one day said, okay, we're we're going to start penalizing and doing all these things. It was really the teams that kind of got together and between driver councils and the RTA and 
you know, other different, um, I don't know what you want to call them, unions or groups or whatever, advisory boards. I mean, whatever you want to call these, you know, we've got, you know, an advisory board for everything in the sport. And, you know, a lot of these people came together and said, look, we, you know, we want to see what the penalties are. And, you know, I want to, you know, kind of go out there and do what you have to do. And I, I think that, you know, it's made the sport better overall because there's no time, there's no point in wasting people's time. Um, I've said it a long time ago that you can't present the car and present the way that the rule books say you need to present it. Then, you know, you can park that car in the garage, fix it, and start at the tail of the field. I mean, just don't waste people's time because there's a lot of people working in that garage from sunup to sundown, seven days a week. And, you know, if you're holding the line up, you're you're holding up other people. And I just think that, you know, by enforcing the rules, it's helpful overall for everybody in the garage. And you and I have harped on this same situation, I think, for the past couple of years, and we've we've beat it we've beat a dead dog to death, brother. And I know some of these teams, especially like Kevin Harvick, you got your big name sponsors there with with um, with Bush for Kevin, and uh, uh, so many sponsorships that are on these big name drivers' cars. And I don't think I've posed this question to you before. And I don't know if I've heard it in it, which I have heard it on Sirius XM and I've seen it on, on social media. Do you think it's time for, like, what I would call a repeat offender to maybe sort of park in some of these guys and say, look, that's it. Well, pal, you've done failed this so many times this year. You're not going to race today. Or do you think that's the wrong thing to do for a big name driver, say, you're Kevin Harvick's, you're Martin Truex, you're anybody that that keeps failing the pre-race inspection going through the room of them. Just want to throw that out there and get your thoughts on it. I don't know if I need to park the guy because it's the crew chief job, it's the team job, like you mentioned earlier, to push the envelope to try to get that advantage. It's like a double-edged sword in my opinion, Stephen. What do you think? I don't know if parking drivers are necessarily um, the right avenue sometimes. Maybe if it's really egregious to the fact of, I mean, you've you've gone and modified the engine so far out of tolerances that, you know, this thing has, you know, X percentage or X number of horsepower, or you've done something to the car that is just so far out of the rule books, then I think I would probably agree to it at that point. But as it stands, you know, I'm... I'm just of the opinion that I just think that if you're just going to waste people's time and bring cars to the inspection room of doom, especially because NASCAR takes and certifies these cars at the beginning of the season with the chassis, you can go to the R&D center any day of the week that they're open, present the car, and they'll tech the car for you. When you're there on the weekend, it's the same thing. If it's not inspection time and you want to present that car, you can present the car and have it inspected on demand at any time, virtually. Now, I'm not saying that you're going to do it in the middle of the race, but, you know, within reason and tolerances. But there's plenty of opportunity. So, you know, again, I think if you're just going to waste a lot of people's time, I think it's just time that, you know, they put them in the garage, set them at the end of the field, don't come back, you're not going to practice, you're not going to go out there and qualify until you get the car right. And then, you know, it goes back to the Days of Thunder thing where, you know, I'm going to tear your car apart 
uh, for 200 laps, and if you can put it back together and present it, then you can go out there and race. And I think that's the mentality that should be had. Amen, brother. I definitely agree. And you know, we could we we could harp on this uh, on the uh, rule book, but you know, like you and I, we talk about it. Seems like every couple of weeks or so, you and I have something to say about the rule book because listen to the fans. But coming up this weekend at Richmond, Stephen, with night race again, we're back at Richmond. The Federated Auto Parts 400, Toyota Owners 400 there at Richmond Raceway. And I think Suzanne has Dennis waiting on the side. We're going to bring him on. And I know you're going to you're gonna trek down there. It ain't but about a 45-minute drive, I think, for you to make it down there to, to Richmond. And Richmond has made a lot of improvements. They have uh, done a lot of stuff from when the last time that I was there. And I know you got to see a lot of stuff. And I'm pretty sure Dennis is, would, would like to talk about a lot of this stuff. But anyway... Let's go ahead and bring on uh, President of Richmond Raceway, our good friend, Mr. Dennis Bigmire. Let me find my button. Hold on, Dennis. Oh, here it is. Hold on, Dennis. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. President Richmond Raceway, Mr. Dennis Bickmeyer. How you doing tonight, brother? Hey, doing great, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's uh, good to catch up with you guys. Thank you very much, Dennis. And I know we got to make our trek back up there. It's just been, it's been so hectic. But, but anyway, Dennis, we're finally there. We're Richmond Raceway, under the lights. Again, your big transformation deal. That uh, I call it transformation because we got transformation going on here at Talladega also. Mm-hmm. You and your team, y'all got all your eyes dotted and T's crossed. I'm pretty sure y'all ready for this weekend, but it's going to be awesome, isn't it? Well, it is. Yeah, thank you. And uh, yeah, I look forward to uh, our friends at Talladega. They're going through a, a major redo as well, just like we did uh, here at Richmond. Uh, we did a $30 million renovation to our infield and I know they got uh, big things happening in Talladega too, so they could they could take some of the lessons that we learned here, and uh, and then uh, plan the Talladega and make it even better. But I tell you, we our new garages, uh, new uh, infield fan area is is amazing. Uh, we opened it last September, so for those coming in April, will be the first time they get to experience it. But First and foremost, I think really what we tried to do with that design was immerse the fans right into the heart of the sport where they can actually walk into the garages, and we accomplished that and really got really good reviews from everybody. Dennis, y'all have been uh, a partner of Toyota for some time now, and Toyota has been a big, big asset to Richmond Raceway and to continue to be an asset is – is is there talks about keeping Toyota and the Toyota Owners 400 going? Is that sponsor going to stay with y'all, Dennis? Well, I, I hope so. We, we've had them. Uh, this is our seventh year of working together, and uh, you know this is my 19th year in racing. And um, you know this is one of those uh, partnerships that 
you know, it, it truly is a partnership and it works on so many levels, uh, both for uh, Toyota and for the racetrack and our fans. But what's great is like every level of Toyota is invested in this, the Toyota Motorsports, the national side, uh, the region, and then the five local Richmond Toyota dealers. Everybody's invested in this deal, uh, which is great. So that makes it, uh, you know, makes it makes it work for everybody. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, they're signed for a while. They 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 you know they they can um, uh, you know maybe potentially do something else either at our racetrack or another racetrack within our family. But we hope they're around for a while. We've got them, uh, like I said, hopefully for a few more years yeah, or longer. We'll take them forever. <laughs> Amen, brother. And then it's my final question before I hand you over to uh, Stephen. You mentioned the um, amenities that y'all have done. The uh, new DC Solar Fairgrounds, is that is that – it looks like it's part of a fan amenity to, to get closer to the NASCAR drivers, the cars, and also – you know, like NAS, like a lot of fans have said, I've seen it on social media, Dennis, and I know you have also. They want to get closer to everything. Is that talk a little bit about that if you can, uh, Dennis? Yeah, no, you you are exactly right. I mean, that was uh, the whole design was about uh, giving fans uh, access. You know, I mean, we've all been around the sport for a long time. I think NASCAR fans. Um, have unbelievable access to our athletes and to the sport, I think this just kicked it up another level. And then you've seen it at Phoenix with the redo there. You'll see it in Talladega as well. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think the ability for fans to walk into the garage, there's a fan side of the garage, there's a competition side of the garage, but there's not a wall or a piece of glass or anything that's separating the two. It's literally a small little fence and you're an arm's length away from the teams and the crews who are working on the cars, banging away on the cars, uh, drivers, you know, downloading with their crew chiefs and everything. It's all that's happening right in front of you. So it was really kind of an immersive experience. Um, so that's what we were so happy that we were able to deliver that, uh, for our fans. And then, uh, and then just throughout the whole area, what was great is, you know, we used to sell a pit pass, and that pit pass on cup day would be good from 2 o'clock until 6 o'clock. And then we had to move everybody out because we just didn't have the space for everybody down there. But through this whole new redesign, you can stay in the infield with your fan grounds pass, or you can go back to your seat, or you can come and go throughout the race. And it really gave fans a different perspective of watching the race. Dennis, that's awesome, brother. Congratulations on everything up there at Richmond Raceway, and good luck this weekend, and all the way down to the next to the next race area. We're going racing under the lights there at Richmond Raceway again this Saturday night. Dennis, thank you very much. I'm going to hand you over to Stephen Wilson, brother, and Suzanne and I will get up there. I want to come back to Richmond, brother. Thank you very much. I'm going to hand you over to Stephen. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you, and definitely come see us. Yes, sir, I will. Go ahead, Stephen. Well, I'm going to lead off with the most obvious question of them all. How many times do you think you've been asked about the truck series and bringing them back since you've been at Richmond? Oh, <laughs> uh, Stephen, too many times to count. Um, you know, I, 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 I said that in when we had, when the truck race was announced, and, um, 
it's it's it is by far the biggest question I've had since I've been here, and uh, just glad it worked out. Excited for everybody as it relates to the 2020 schedule. A lot of moving pieces and parts for that schedule, but happy that the trucks are coming back to Richmond. It's been 14 years since they've been back uh, since they've been on three quarter mile track there, and essentially, basically, you guys and Martinsville swapped between an Xfinity Series race and a truck race in the spring. You know, this is this goes to the broader question of you know NASCAR fans have been asking for more short track racing and and road courses over the years, and and, and it sounds like not only the tracks are listening, but NASCAR itself is listening to make these moves happen so that you guys can be more beneficially involved in, you know, what, what fans are asking for these days. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, when you look at that schedule, I mean, <clears throat> I actually got to rewind the clock for a minute to 2018. You know, Richmond moved, always moved into the playoffs in 2018. And, and right to your point, Stephen, where you said that, um, you know, uh, fans wanted more short tracks or, you know, another short track in the playoffs. So that happened in 2018 with us moving in, and now Bristol moves in in uh, 2020. And uh, so you got, you know, you get three things really happening there. You got Richmond, Bristol, and Martinsville all in the playoffs. You got Richmond and Bristol back-to-back in the playoffs. And, and, and Darlington, too, by the way, I just want to say in 2020, that first round of the playoffs, I mean, that's impressive. Darlington, Richmond, Bristol, there's a lot of history with those three racetracks there. And I mean, if, if you're a fan that can take a couple of weeks off of work, you can hit all three of those pretty easily. What do you think? You know, I think we've talked about this a little bit in the past, and, and sometimes the tracks in NASCAR have to be a little bit more forward-thinking, and they just don't think about what they're going to do the next race or the next year. You know, Richmond has continued to evolve, and I've been coming to Richmond for over probably close to 30 years now. Um, and uh, I remember way back in the day, it was like 88 or 89, when Rusty Wallace won a, won a race there. So, you know, I've seen Richmond progressively change uh, over the years. But as a track president at Richmond, and now that you, you know, we, we're the trucks are going to come back, uh, you're in the playoffs. You have the new fan grounds that are there. Uh, what is next for Richard? How do they continue to evolve going into the future? Well, a couple of things. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, I think we continue to work on the facility in so many different ways to update and modernize the facility. But, and, but here's the thing with that, too, is, you know, we've been doing NASCAR racing here for over 70 years. And we're an old fairground, so you you want to keep that that old school feel, uh, but you do want to update it and modernize it for the fans, um, you know, going forward. So it's always trying to find the, that right balance between the two. I think that's first and foremost. And then, uh, you know, second is just uh, we continue to use this facility in so many different ways. Uh, we had a, a pro all star series race a couple weeks ago. First time we've had super late models and modifieds on this track in a long time. So continue to do some of that more grassroots racing. Um, we, we do a lot of consumer trade shows on the property. So it's always continuously trying to kind of redefine uh, the facility and, and get more use out of it. You know, we've got 1,100 acres here um, that, that we can put to use. And 
One other quick thing, too, is we have a 6,000-seat amphitheater here that's set dormant for a long time, and we brought that back to life. We actually got 10 shows in there this year, so proud of that. Just just proud of, that we can, can continue to kind of redefine this facility. Kyle Bush has been on a tear, mainly, you know, these last couple of weeks. We've seen what he's done, and, and he's won at Bristol. He's a multi-time winner there in Richmond in various different series. Can anybody slow him down when they come there this weekend for the Toyota Owners 400? Well, I tell you, it's pretty amazing what he's doing and what he's been doing. Um, you know, to think about uh, uh, the season he's had, you know, so far to start, and then he's got three wins and he's rolling into Richmond where he won both races a year ago. I mean, uh, so it's going to be tough for someone to slow him down, um, you know, coming to a place where he's been uh, really dominant. You know, a few years ago, he won four races in a row here and then won both races last year. So, um, you know, it's 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 going to be pretty amazing to, to, to see. Um, you know, the other thing with the schedule is uh, – Easter's after us, so that'll be the first break in the schedule. So I know the drivers are anxious about that because it's been they've been going nonstop since Daytona. Um, but really, you know, who's going to stop him here at Richmond? Uh, you know, Denny Hamlin, our local guys, off to a good start. Keselowski's off to a good start. Uh, I think those are be kind of the main guys that you got to see if uh, if they can beat him this weekend. Dennis, I appreciate you taking the time to come on here tonight. And as always, we're going to give you the the opportunity to let everybody know uh, where to follow Richmond Raceway this weekend, anything special you guys got going on, where you can get tickets at, and uh, just anything else you want to throw out there regarding the weekend. Again, I appreciate you taking the time to come on here. Look forward to being back at Richmond this weekend. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, thank you for the opportunity. But, yeah, you can go to richmondraceway.com, check out all the news and information and the tickets that are available on there, and camping and tent camping. I mean, the whole nine yards. Uh, you can come out here and spend a week with us. I'm sitting actually out in one of our camping areas right now. I was talking to some fans before I jumped on the phone with you guys. I'm sitting in my car. Um, but that and then follow us on Twitter at Richmond Raceway or me at Richmond Prez. Uh, with a Z, but we love interacting with our fans and and having a good time, and we're looking forward to a great weekend uh, this weekend for the Toyota Owners 400. Thanks, Dennis. I appreciate you taking the time. Best of luck this weekend. Appreciate it. Thanks. Take care. Thanks. Take care. Stephen Dennis there. He brought it right there at the end. I was going to mention that when he got off the air. I was going to bring it up to you. Dennis Bickmeyer, I follow him on social media, and just like he mentioned, he is in the campgrounds talking to fans, which he said he he come to his car that way he could call into the show. That Dennis Bickmeyer, he lives and breathes NASCAR, Steve. That's a big deal for him there. He goes around to the campgrounds, like I said, talks to all the fans and gets feedback. That's a, that's a big, big, big deal for Richmond and NASCAR, Steve. Yeah, and I think your act presidents just have to continue to be innovative in the fact of how they reach out um, to the fan base that is there on the weekends, but also potential fan bases and 
you know, that says a lot. That he goes out there and he talks to these people in the in the campgrounds, and those people go back and tell their friends, and they come out, and you know, it's just a it's just a potential opportunity to to connect with the fans in unconventional ways sometimes. And what I mean by that is today we're just so used to throwing a tweet or something out there and getting a response from it, and it's become more and more unconventional for many of these not only track presidents, but people within the sport to actually go out there and shake hands and talk to you and meet you face-to-face. And Brad Kozlowski has been doing that here lately, his old self, driving out into the the, the campgrounds and talking to people. And there's other drivers that have been doing it. Ryan Laney has done it. You know, they're they're taking a more uh, unconventional approach these days because social media has just become so prevalent in that fact. You can reach a larger mass of people, and you can have conversations, you know, with these people. And, you know, they've kind of separated themselves sometimes from the fact of actually shaking people's hands, looking them in the eyes, and having a conversation with them. And, you know, that's that's something that these um, that everybody in the sport should, you know, especially Dennis that goes out there and done it, does it, should just be applauded for taking their time because, you know, they – They've got tons of things that they need to be doing on a race weekend like Dennis, but they still take the time to go out there and talk to the people that support the sport. That's right. Amen, brother. And the number to call in is 215-383-3681. I'm Tim Despain. <clears throat> no, excuse me. Alongside SpeedwayDigest.com, Mr. Stephen Woods. We're going to take a little quick break. We'll be right back. And we're going to discuss the weekend activities at Bristol Motor Speedway where Kyle Bush won again. We'll be right back after this quick song there from Nelly. I'm not a man of many words, but it's one thing I know. Yeah. Well, I am number one. No matter if you like it, ridiculous, it's down and right. I am number one. Yeah. 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 Ye
We're back live from Duggan Nation. I'm Tim Spain along with SpeedwayDigest.com with Mr. Stephen Wilson. He's right outside of Richmond Raceway and the way the crow flies. Uh, I'm about eight miles south of the 2.66 mile monster we call Tyler Super Speedway. Stephen, we just had uh, Dennis Bickmeyer, president of Richmond Raceway, come on there. A lot of good feedback there. Love Dennis. Dennis does an awesome job up there. But, Stephen, we had Kyle Bush. Got involved in a uh, in a lap one accident uh, at Bristol Motor Speedway and come back and have a damn for didn't win the race, man. <laughs> yeah, that just shows kind of how tough he is and being able to overcome adversity, both with him and the team, to go out there and uh, really just do what they did. Um, you know, it took. Kevin Harvick about 420 laps to get back on the lead lap. So, um, you know, that's just for comparison's sake. But, you know, that, the, the two teams of how they're able to overcome and, you know, it's just, you know, it's Kyle Busch doing Kyle Busch things, to be honest with you, that, um, you know, we're, we're, we're watching a modern-day, you know, Richard Petty or – uh, Dale Earnhardt or whoever you want to consider from any other era that um, they can just go out there and win like they do and sometimes in the face of adversity uh, as he did this past weekend. And David, just to add to your thought there, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I checked the stats and I think Kyle Bush is tied uh, Lee Petty for most wins in the uh, top series of NASCAR. And that's a big accomplish, accomplishment there. And like you said, you can't take nothing away from a young man. Just like Joe Gibbs said, I got some audio I'm going to play here uh, shortly. Joe, Just like Joe Gibbs said, he said he likes 
the way Kyle Bush is aggressive. He likes to, when he gets pissed off to come on the radio, on the team radio, and say all this stuff. And like Joe Gibbs mentioned, Joe said that Kyle's popped off for him. He and he said he likes that in a driver. It's like a professional athlete getting discouraged because he knows he can do better, Stephen. But let's listen to a little bit, and I'm thinking it's a pretty long deal there, uh, guys. But, uh, Stephen, let's take a little short break and listen to uh, what Kyle Bush and uh, Coach had to say in the media center after they won the uh, Food City 500 there at Bristol Motor Speedway. Gentlemen, we'll go ahead and get started with our post-race media availabilities for the 59th annual Food City 500 here at Bristol Motor Speedway. We're joined now by our race-winning owner, Coach Joe Gibbs, and our race-winning crew chief, Adam Stevens. Uh, Gentlemen, congratulations on the win today. Coach, uh, that got pretty exciting. Tell us uh, your thoughts on today's win. Well, I just admire Adam and the team and Kyle because, as everybody knows, we had to overcome a lot today. And uh, I think uh, Adam can kind of talk about the car at the end. But I, I that early spin, you kind of look at that and say, oh, my gosh, you know, our day's going to end early. But um, I, I think with Adam and Kyle, they have a way of fighting through adversity doing a great job. Adam made a lot of, and he told Kyle right off the bat, hey, the car's not really hurt, you know, um, and I'm not, I think it probably took something away from the car, but uh, they just did a great job fighting all day. I think obviously the the caution at the end there really helped us, and I think, you know, we were a short run type car at the end. Uh, it just shows you how hard Bristol is. We had so many things happen to our cars today. Uh, we had loose wheels with Martin. We had loose wheels uh, with Eric. Denny just, you know, got, uh, obviously, we speeding on pit road. A lot can happen at this racetrack. It's very hard to win here, and so it's a thrill for us. For Coy, uh, we had our whole family here. We had, uh, well, I say our whole family. We had Jackson and Miller, two grandsons here. And uh, Coy, obviously, for our family. Uh, everybody's excited and so obviously for Mars it's a huge deal for Skittles it's a huge deal for Norm at Interstate and obviously for uh, Toyota it's a big deal for us. Thank you coach. Adam um, three wins now for you guys on the season uh, headed to a track uh, that you swept both races last year you guys are in a pretty good spot right now huh? Yeah you know um, <clears throat> we have uh, been pretty What's the word here? Uh, close all year. Um, I, this was probably about the worst car I gave them to go race with this year. Um, this new tire combination and aero package just threw off our old setup, and, and we didn't make a lot of headway in practice, and we weren't as good as we hoped to be. But, uh, you know, we got some good tracks coming up, and uh, hopefully we can get back on our horse and uh, give him something he can race with a little closer next week. Thank you. We'll open it up to questions now. We'll go start right up front here with Jenna, and then we'll go to Caleb. Jennifer, if he, Adam, um, the final decision to go out and take the lead, um, was it a no-brainer for you? What was your thinking in that process? I mean, it was a no-brainer for us. Uh, it, it took us so long to fire on tires, but the, beyond that, um, there was a quick caution after our last stop, um, and uh, I think the back six or seven came with about 20 laps on tires or something. So they had no reason to pit, and if we gave them the lead, they were just going to take it. And I didn't see us restarting behind those guys and behind the two that were already in front of us and being able to finish any closer to the front than what we already were. So 
you know, uh, we were just going to take our chances. And uh, I didn't think that we would inherit the lead. I thought maybe one of them would come, but uh, they both came. So that made it a little bit easier on us. We'll continue over here to the left to Caleb, and then we'll go to Jacob. Caleb Whistler kicking the tires on that for Coach and Adam. How do you keep this team from becoming complacent over the next few weeks as the play, so you guys can get more wins and playoff points with three wins already this season? Well, I, I, I don't see Kyle or Adam <laughs> being complacent. I really don't. They, they're, I think they're driven. And I think our playoff system, the way it is right now, I got to tell you, I, I think it's great that we have segment racing. Those points can carry over. And if you are really after it like they are, then you could wind up with enough points. That's, that's the goal, wind up with enough points that it really can carry you into the playoffs. And so it's a big deal for us. And, uh, you know, I, I think our guys, they'll continue to fight. Everybody knows how competitive it is up here. It's hard to win. Each one of these you really uh, cherish. And so I think the point thing is huge for our racing now that we have segment racing. And I think it keeps everybody up on the wheel. I mean, I echo what he said, but I, I don't think complacency is in my vocabulary or Kyle's vocabulary or anybody on this team that I've hired. I can tell you that, you know, if, if there's a trophy and a checkered flag uh, and we're working 80 or 90 hours a week and away from our families for three or four days a week, um, you know, we don't come out here to ride around. Um, we get paid to win and, and coach gives us the equipment to win and we have Kyle Bush driving our car and, and that's what we intend to do. Well, before we go to Jacob, Adam, uh, just one stat I meant to, to share with you and Coach earlier. Um, during the broadcast, I know you're a little busy, you probably didn't get to hear it, but during the broadcast they mentioned that uh, Kyle Bush with a, a top ten finish today is the first driver in 27 years to start the season with a top ten finish in the first eight races. That's great. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, one of the pre-race shows or when they were interviewing Kyle, I, I heard them mention that, so um, I thought that was pretty neat. Anytime Kyle can scratch his name down in the record book, he likes to do that for sure. And, you know, it's just a testament to the uh, the preparation and execution of the whole team and, and, you know, a little bit of luck too. You know, Anything can go wrong and, and take you out of a race or, a, you know, we sped on pit road and that could have easily been a last stop instead of a mid-race or, you know, um, early race stop or any one little thing can happen, you know. That streak will come to an end, hopefully not next week, but, uh, you know, it definitely will at some point. We'll stay over here to the left to Jacob, then to Lee. Jacob, you with Seed Sport Magazine. I've got one for each of you. Uh, first, for Adam, I, I think we know uh, how Kyle can be on the radio sometimes after the lap one incident. How tough was it or was it that difficult to be able to keep him calm with the damage, with having to go back, and, and knowing that that could have set you back all day? Uh, no, it wasn't tough at all. Um, he was he was fine on the radio today. And, and in general, I can probably only think of one or two times that uh, that wasn't the case. You know, um, like I said, he's no different than the rest of us. Um, he came here to win. And, and sometimes those circumstances, uh, you know, can, can change that situation. But that particular circumstance just cost us some track position. Uh, thankfully, we didn't take a shot uh, to a wheel or to the axle or, or to something that was going to do some serious damage. Um, I don't think it impacted our day too poorly other than having to go to the back so um you know th this race it always comes down i don't know what it is about this spring race at bristol but tear a lot of stuff up here a lot of people make a lot of mistakes and and you always sometimes you end up with a winner that you didn't expect and i would say that today was no different and for coach uh, obviously we saw kyle get to 200 a few weeks ago today he ties lee petty for 10th on the cup series win list 
does he just continue to keep impressing you as he racks up numbers like this and just, you know, keeps, I don't want to say defying everything that's put in his way, but keeps doing what he does? Well, I think um, we've kind of talked about this because he's been, got off to such a good start. The 200 wins, he's, um, he has a way about him. He does not get complacent at any time. He gets mad. I think Friday he was kind of upset some. And uh, I normally call him and talk to him, and I try and stay as far away from him as I can because he will vent to me too. And uh, I get called some names from time to time. But uh, I, I just think his competitive spirit, you know, he's, he's one of those athletes that when he's around the racetrack and things don't go well, he gets upset, and I think it's because it means a lot to him. And then I think you see that show up on race day. So uh, his competitive spirit is, um, I, I think, something that you know, we kind of all admire and we're kind of used to. And um, I, th I think uh, I think it says a lot about his com competitive spirit. I already mentioned Jackson and Miller, my two grandboys, were here with their buddies in the back. It was their responsibility, the race today, so we're in, we're in good shape. I tried to get them over there at the Monster Girls, but to be quite truthful, they they said they're out of our league. Gentlemen, <laughs> <laughs> we'll go ahead and get started with our post-race. And Stephen, that was Coach Gibbs there and uh, Crew Chief Adam Stevens. And... I hit a butt and I done got something come up. But anyway, uh, that was after Kyle Bush won the Food City 500 this past weekend at Bristol Motor Speedway. We had some breaking news come out of NASCAR, too. Let me find my butt that I know that you don't like. And uh, I don't know where it's at. But anyway, Stephen Natalie Decker, I don't know if you found everything there. Uh, she's added some races to the 2019 Gander Outdoor Truck Series race there with DGR Crosley announced that today. Uh, the addition of six races. Uh, do you have that information? If not, I got it brought up on my note. Um, yeah. So she's going to run um, a couple more races this this year, um, including the season closing uh, event. Um, she came out and she ran Atlanta and uh, Daytona earlier in the season. Both of them ended with her uh, wrecking out, unfortunately, early on in the event, but this gives her an opportunity to rebound throughout the season and um, puts more experience underneath of her. It's a pretty, pretty cool deal there for Nana Decker. We wish her luck. And, Stephen, uh, before we jump out of here, I know you have the uh, – Weekend schedule at Richmond Raceway and uh, UNAM. Y'all going to venture down there this weekend for a 12 on us 400 race weekend there. Uh, let everybody know what the TV times is, radio times, and all that if you got it, brother. Yeah. Um, this weekend out at Richmond. Oh, 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 I used to have it there. There we go. Sorry. Um, let's see here. Stuff is being slow tonight. Um, <laughs> na sorry, NASCAR Xfinity Series qualifying is going to take place at 3.40 p.m. on Friday afternoon um, to be 
immediately followed at 540 with Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series qualifying. At 7 o'clock, the Toyota Care 250, 250 laps, 187.5 mile uh, race there under lights Friday night. Then on Saturday, the Toyota Owners 400, uh, 7.30 p.m., uh, 400 laps, 300 miles. MRM, Sirius XM Radio has your radio call. Uh, Fox Sports 1 has your Xfinity Series Racing, and I believe the... Uh, Tell you another 400 will be on regular Fox. I have to go look that up. I'm pretty sure that's, uh, you know, that's pretty much how um, it's going to play out this weekend. And you are headed down there to Richmond Raceway this weekend to cover the weekend events. Let everyone know they can follow that on social media to stay up to date. I'm talking about listeners. I'm talking about up to date within a second or two. Stephen Wilson covers everything on social media. Especially Twitter, Steve. Let everybody know where they can follow you on social media for this weekend's event there at Richmond Raceway. You can follow me on Twitter at speedwaydigest.com slash speedwaydigest and uh, speedwaydigest.com. Oh, and uh, not only oh. that, like uh, uh, not only that, but Thomas Lout and Dinkowski will also be coming along with us this weekend. At Richmond. Amen, brother. Y'all follow Stephen. And again, I want to thank uh, track president there at Richmond Raceway, Mr. Dennis Bickmeyer, for coming on and giving us a little a little bit of his time, like we talked about. He was in the campgrounds there, talking to fans and everything else. But again, uh, I'm Tim Despain, live from Dega Nation. In the pit stop with Tim Spain, Stephen Wilson. He's Stephen Wilson, right? So, Richard Raceway. And, to, and oh, let everyone know next week, next Tuesday at uh, 7 20 Eastern Time, we have track president of Titan Super Speedway, Mr. Grant Lynch, will be joining us. Well, Stephen, y'all have safe travels down, and uh, we will talk to you next weekend. We're going to we're gonna jump out of here. Like I, like I said again, I'm Tim Spain, alongside speedway.com. It's Stephen Wilson. Y'all enjoy the races this weekend at Richmond Raceway. Until next Tuesday, good evening. When the night has come and the land is done and the moon is the only light we'll see do I won't be afraid oh I won't be afraid just as long as you stand If the sky look upon 
You'd ever crumble and fall And the mountains should fall To the sea Do I want Be afraid No